This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for February 11th, 2024. The title of the message is Salt and Light, Part 1. We come now to the reading of God's Word just to give you a little bit of context. Uh, over the last week was the last uh, uh, part of of the the series on the sermon on the uh, sorry on the beatitudes, and now we continue uh, through the Sermon on the Mount, beginning here with Matthew chapter five verses thirteen to sixteen. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask Him for His Holy Spirit to illumine our hearts and minds. Let's pray together. Father, we come this morning, Lord, with our hearts wide open wide open to your word, uh, with ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, would you open the eyes of our hearts that we might behold your goodness, your grace, your love, your mercy. Teach us, Lord, from your word so that we would behold wonderful things from it. Lord, would you be with me, uh, your servant, that as I proclaim it, as I read it, that your grace would be sufficient for me that this would be, uh, in the preaching of it and in the hearing of it, a supernatural work uh, in which we, do, we supernaturally hear and that we would be changed. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's word, beginning of verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I was in the middle of making dinner and the recipe called for a particular spice. And so I opened up our spice cupboard uh, and I kept looking and it wasn't there. In fact, I noticed that more than half of the spices that are usually there were gone. And, and I wondered where they were. And I asked Taylor, my wife, I asked her, where, where's uh, all the spices? And uh, in the interim, in the meantime, Taylor had reorganized the kitchen and what she ended up doing was throwing out all the expired spices uh, that kind of had gone past its, you know, Best Buy and expiration dates. Some of those spices had been there for years, even a decade. And, and so, you know, when, when your red chili pepper flakes are no longer red, but they're gray, you do, you know, you should throw them out. <laughs> uh, but she threw out all the ones uh, except the ones that were salt-based. Those were still good for a very long time. 
They were still good because it was the salt that helped preserve them and kept them from going bad. And this highlights in many ways uh, the character and the usefulness and the nature of salt. That salt is used uh, in our everyday lives both as a seasoning to flavor food and as a preservative to keep food. It's one of the most important commodities that we have as human beings. Uh, I've been reading a book by uh, Mark Kurlansky on the history of salt, and it is absolutely uh, amazing. It's absolutely fascinating how one chemical, sodium chloride, uh, has shaped so much of our world. Salt has shaped civilizations throughout human history. Kingdoms and empires have risen and fallen because of the the plenty or the, the need for salt. Wars have been fought over salt. The human body, every single cell in our body can't live, cannot live without salt. And so salt is a very important, important uh, thing to have. And here Jesus gives us another reason why salt is so important to us. That it is a metaphor, an illustration for who we are and how we ought to live. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. So what does that mean, right? How, how are we salt? How do we season and how do we preserve those things around us? How do we season and flavor and preserve that which is around us, which is a fallen and decaying world? So this morning I want us to consider what it means to be the salt of the earth. First, it means flavoring the world by living distinctively Christian lives. Look at verse 13. After telling us that we are the salt of the earth, he refers to what happens uh, if salt loses its taste or its flavor. Jesus is referring to the seasoning power of salt and how it enhances the flavor of any food. It's one of the five basic tastes uh, that the Lord built into us, right? There's, there's sweet, sour, bitter, savory, and salty. And some might even add, you know, fat. And I, I think that's true. But the five major tastes being, uh, being uh, including uh, the taste of salt. And salt is not just a taste on its own, right? If you eat salt all by itself, it doesn't taste too great. But when you add it to other flavors, it enhances the flavor. Whatever else you add to it, whatever is savory becomes more savory. Whatever is more sweet becomes more sweet. I remember the first time I made my own ice cream and I added all this sugar, I added the cream, I added the vanilla, and then it it says add a little pinch of salt. And I thought, why? And, and so I added it, and I realized that the salt 
because it contrasts with the sweet, deepens the flavor of the sweet. It's very much like why we display diamonds, not, be, uh, not on a white background, but on a dark black background to highlight, to differentiate, to contrast uh, those two things. And so the same goes with salt. Salt uh, deepens the contrast uh, with those other flavors so that those other flavors are enhanced. Um, I remember the first time I saw uh, uh, one of my teachers bite into an apple and he had one apple on one side and he had a salt shaker on the other and he just would, would put salt on it. And I just thought that was the weirdest thing. You know, or, the, or the first time I saw uh, my Mexican friends putting tahini on, uh, on their watermelon, I just thought, and I tasted it, and it was like really salty and spicy, of course, but, but it's the salt and the spice uh, that enhances the sweetness of the fruit. And that's what salt does for us, and that is how we ought to function as salt in the world as Christians. And so what is Jesus saying? Jesus calling us to lead a distinctive Christian life that sets us apart from the blandness of the world. It means living by faith in Christ, not by faith in the things and the ways of the world. Right? When the world is made up of, of the other flavor, sweet, sour, savory, bitter, God is telling us, don't be those other flavors, be salty. So when others look to their money or looks or power or prestige or education for their hope and meaning and identity in life, Jesus is calling us to live by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. To love him with all of our heart, strength, soul, and mind. To love our neighbor as ourselves and enhance the beauty the flavor, if you will, of everything else around us because we are there. It means finding our hope and identity, not in anything else but in Christ. It means when the world tells us to go with the flow of the culture, Jesus calls us to go against the flow, to take up our crosses, to deny ourselves and to follow him. When the world tells us to hate our enemies, Jesus calls us to love them, to bless them, to pray for them. When the world tells us that we have to earn our standing before people and before the world, Jesus, by grace, gives us our standing before God so we don't have to try to earn it before the people around us. When the world tells us that we need to scratch, claw, and do whatever it takes to be on top for our own glory, Jesus tells us, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. And that, that results in a completely different way of living, completely different goal and aim in life, a completely different result for happiness. When the world tells us to look out for number one because it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, Jesus tells us to love as he loved and by laying down our lives 
for those whom we love and those who are in need. To love the poor and the needy, widow and orphan, the last and the least. To stand up for what's right, to call out what's wrong. To stand up and do what is good and fight back against what is evil. To live by God's word so that the world might know we belong to Jesus. To live by grace so the world knows what grace is rather than by the harshness of what works is, trying to earn our place in the world and being willing to do whatever it takes. And it means seizing everything we do with the love, the grace, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, to speak of him, to live for him, and to follow in him. It also means not losing our saltiness as God's people. There are two ways that this can happen. First, we can lose our flavor when we dilute our faith or we water it down. In Jesus' day, salt came from the dry lake bed of the Dead Sea, where the water concentrated salt, but also other minerals and other chemicals dried with it And so it wasn't a pure salt. It was a mixed, uh, impure salt. And so when that salt got wet, you know, from the humidity, uh, it would, the water then would take away the salt. And it would leave this white powder of the other chemicals, the other, other minerals. And that no longer conveyed the taste of salt because there was no more salt in it. So back then the ancients would would say the salt lost its flavor, and it was true. It lost its flavor because it lost its salt. And it happened because it was mixed in. And so in one way, it was watered down. And so what Jesus is saying here is if we water down or we mix our faith with the flavors of the world, its values, its priorities, its, its uh, goals, its message, then we are, are diluting the salt by which we ought to be, our faith, our grace, our love. And so we lose our saltiness. We can also lose our flavor when we do not apply our faith in our lives with those who are around around us, right? It's when we don't season everything we do with the saltiness of our faith in in Christ, right? If you don't use salt or we don't put it in in your food, then you can't taste it. See, then then you don't, you, you lose the flavor because you don't use the flavor. You know, one time I made uh, chicken soup for a sick friend, and I forgot to add salt. And I remember tasting it, and it was just so bland. It was just like warm water and then bland chicken. Next time, you know, if you buy a can, uh, canned chicken broth or, or you buy a, a canned soup, a, a chicken soup, you know, look at how much salt is in there. And, um, and that's why even, you know, good chicken soup, you know, it, it says lower salt. They'll, they usually will never sell it with no salt because it doesn't taste that great. 
And so we can, we can lose our saltiness when we don't apply our faith in every area of our life so that other people can experience the flavor of our saltiness. And I, and I use that in, in the biblical sense, right? I know that there's a more popular sense, you know, where you talk about uh, being a little salty in your language. That's not what I mean. Uh, what I mean is just that flavor of salt that just makes everything taste better. Right? You know what, you, I can't describe it, right? You guys know what it is. And so we need to uh, flavor uh, everything we do so that others can experience uh, the gospel in and through our lives. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to apply and live out your faith in all that you do so that those around you in, some, in, some one, in one way or another, they can, through you and all that you do as a Christian, they can taste and see how good God is. Do you see that? And so how else can we be salt? in addition to how we flavor things. It also means helping to preserve what is good, true, and beautiful for our neighbors. Salt not only seasons, but it preserves food and it keeps it from rotting. We not only flavor our culture, but we preserve whatever is good about it or whatever is good in it. And we live in a fallen world where everything is is dead or dying because of sin. Like salt, we slow the rotting process and it help preserve what is good, true, and beautiful in our society, in our institutions, in our culture, in our communities. So how do we do this? We do it by living countercultural lives grounded in faith, living out the goodness, truth, and beauty of God's word, ways, and world. We do it by living out our God-given calling to live by God's word in every area of our life for his glory and for the good of our neighbors. It means caring about our institutions and our communities, about our marriages, our families, Uh, those institutions helping the poor and the needy, to shine forth and to encourage and to advance those things that are good versus what is evil, what is true versus what is false, what is beautiful versus what is ugly and abhorrent. As we live and apply the word of God in our lives, And this is going to set us apart from the rest of our culture and of the world. And that's exactly how we preserve the good of our culture. That we contribute to to our culture, the salt of our Christianity in such a way that it's going to preserve it for future generations. It's amazing how long a well-salted and cured piece of meat can last. Uh, it's so interesting that there, to this day, archaeologists f- have found salted beef jerky 
It's not edible, but it still it was still among all the ruins after thousands and thousands of years. And in many ways, that is what Jesus is calling us to be for our culture and the people around us, to preserve those things that advance the good of our neighbor and of, our, their, and of their flourishing. It was, for example, the ministries of mercy and the social changes that came with a distinctively Christian ethic uh, that helped uh, preserve what was good uh, during the ancient Roman times. When society threw away the poor and needy like trash, it was the Christians who took them in, clothed them, fed them, and educated them. And when those people experienced the love of God, they embraced the love of God in Christ, and then in turn did the same for others in need. And uh, what, what became a threat to, Roman, to the Roman Empire was not so much that Christians worshiped Jesus as much as it threatened their power because people started to come to Christian churches for their help and their hope rather than the Roman uh, government. And so the Roman government saw those things as threats. And no matter how much the Romans persecuted and oppressed Christians, Paul calls us to give honor uh, to the king and to pray for the government. Um, to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to pray and bless those who would persecute us. See, this is a totally upside-down, grace-filled gospel ethic of love and forgiveness that breaks down the constant cycle of revolution and, and, and of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, war after war, that leaves everyone blind, toothless, and homeless. Do you see how God's grace and love breaks the cycles that, we, that, our, that our world has battled against time and memorial. You know, Tom Holland, a, a historian, wrote in his book, Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World. He, do, he documents in his book the unique impact that Christianity had uh, that changed the world and it set everything up to where we are inheritors of all the virtues uh, in our present day. All the things that we value in our culture, such as uh, the rule of law, morality, the, the, the human, human rights and protections, the equality of all people, the care for the poor and the needy, they can all be traced back to Christianity and the Christian worldview. And he, and he says that if we jettison the foundation of Christianity, we inadvertently will jettison the core values upon which we take for granted, that we love and cherish, but we take for granted. And I think right now in our cultural moment, we are seeing the fruits of jettisoning God in our lives and expecting uh, to still have the same values that go along with 
putting our faith in God. So when there's no more faith in God, then why should we keep those values that we cherish? Why do we, what, what, found, what justification do we have for human rights, civil rights, equality uh, for all, the care for the weak and, and the poor, the rule of law and justice in our world? You can't. You cannot advocate for, for what is right and, and wrong. You can't advocate for justice if you've taken the God who defines what justice is. Do you see that? And so uh, it is the salt of the Christian faith that permeates and preserves what is good, true, and beautiful in our world. In conclusion, we are salt as we live distinctive Christian lives, flavoring and preserving society around us. We can't water it down lest we lose our flavor or the preserving power of faith in Christ. But we must live out our faith in all that we do as Christians. And so it begs the question, how do we become salty in the first place? What makes us salty? What flavors and preserves us as we live as salt in the world? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the unique flavor of God's grace in Christ with which God has flavored and preserved us by his grace that permeates all that we are uh, in Christ because of Christ. It is the flavor of Christ, so to speak. It is the flavor of Christ in us that in then endows the aroma of Christ through us. Paul puts it this way, right? Here's the, the, the parallel of flavor and, and aroma, right? Paul says, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16. See, what makes us salt is the distinct flavor of Christ in us in order to make Christ known through us. And it's the power of his death and resurrection that not only preserves us, but in preserving us, gives us eternal life. Do you see all that we do in and through Jesus, we are endowing the flavor of Christ endowing, passing on the preserving power of eternal life uh, in Christ to those. And we do that as we season everything, as we speak of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no better salt to sprinkle in all of our circumstances and all of our families and communities and workplaces, to all those around us. There's nothing better to, to season those things than with the salt of the very gospel that has seasoned and preserved us. And here's the, uh, the underlying paradox, and I'll close here. Pure salt never really loses its flavor. 
There's a reason why whenever anyone wanted to, to make a promise that would last forever, it was, it was made as a covenant of salt. It was like salt was sprinkled on whatever uh, that covenant or that contract, that agreement was made. And it was to signify that as long as the salt was salt, the covenant would always be uh, there. And so as we continue and seek out to live by faith in Christ, as we flavor everything and as we preserve everything with the grace that God has shown to us, we will never lose our flavor. We will be salt forever. And I think that this is going to be the beauty of heaven, that everything is going to be enhanced. Everything is going to be wonderful and beautiful because of the salt of the gospel in Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for for reminding us what it means to be salt, the salt of the earth. Help us, Lord, to, to live that distinctive Christian life, uh, Lord, as you have called us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have salted us so that we might be salt for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.